Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now this week there was a lot of anticipation about the US inflation data release. That's not surprising given inflation remains a key pillar of the market outlook. The year-on-year inflation looks promising, uh, but there's a risk of claiming victory uh, prematurely. Now, several commentators have argued uh, inflation can come in waves, and it was interesting to look at the history in this context. So in the 1970s, for example, uh, we saw a live example of how this can happen. Inflation first peaked at 6.4% in February 1970 and then fell back to under 3% in August 72. But inflation then rose again in a second wave, to a peak of 12.2% in November 74 before falling to 5% in December 1976. Finally, inflation rose in a third wave to 14.6% in March 1980 before finally being defeated. So is the current round of inflation less sticky? Uh, to discuss this, we have Fukien join us today to discuss inflation, equity earnings and bond yields. So Fukien, welcome. Um, thanks for taking the time to join us today. So let's start with inflation. Um, the fall inflation or disinflation seems to be a dominant theme driving financial markets for the moment. Uh, good week. Could you help our listeners maybe understand what current trends look like, uh, particularly in the US and China? Yeah, sure. So the, the latest US inflation data, it supports the global disinflation theme. Uh, so US headline and core inflation, it both stabilized at 0.2% month-on-month in July. If we annualize that, uh, that means that the monthly core inflation has fallen below 2% now for the second straight month. Now, this trend needs to sustain over the coming months to avoid a rebound in inflation as the base effects fade in Q4. Uh, The good news is that the prices of used cars, trucks, and new vehicles, they fell month-on-month, leading to a drop in overall goods prices. Now, while the core services inflation accelerated to 0.4% month-on-month, uh, this is primarily driven by a 0.4% month-on-month rise in the shelter component. Uh, going forward, we expect shelter inflation to cool in the coming months as the slowing rents filter through to the official shelter inflation data with the 6-9 to nine month lag. Uh, similarly, the private uh, used car prices they point to a subdued used car inflation ahead. Now, in China, we're actually seeing falling prices or deflation, uh, which is adding to the global disinflation trend. So China's consumer prices, they contracted 0.3% year-on-year in July, uh, falling for the first time in two years. Uh, Meanwhile, producer prices fell 4.4% year-on-year, marking the 10th consecutive month of annual decline. So this inflation data follows indicators uh, showing a deep contraction uh, in exports and imports, which is highlighting a downturn in your global goods trade. Uh, We believe that China's deflationary pressures, they raise the prospect of more stimulus measures to boost consumption. Uh, President Biden's uh, latest uh, executive order to regulate U.S. investment into China also adds urgency to roll out more stimulus from Beijing. Thanks, Fukien, for that macro overview. What, as an investor, though, what are the key implications of some of the trends you just described? Sure. So a sustained global disinflation, it will support our expectations that the policy rates in the U.S. and Europe have peaked. Uh, We see good value in U.S. and European government bonds. 
Although yields have risen lately, uh, partly because of the oil price increase, it's uh, raising inflation expectations, and also concerns about rising US government bond issuance, we expect that a slowing global growth to eventually cap the yields. Uh, at current yield levels, the risk-reward balance from investing in US and European government bonds is attractive. Uh, for example, the US 10-year yield it can rise to a new cycle high of 4.5%, which is in line with your nominal trend GDP growth, and bond investors would still not lose money on a 12-month horizon. Uh, meanwhile, a drop in your US 10-year uh, yield by an average of 260 basis points, which is seen during a recession, it would imply a 14% total return in a year. So for asset uh, risk assets, uh, more broadly, we expect this Goldilocks scenario of a cooling inflation and moderate growth, uh, we expect it to sustain the risk asset rebound in the next few months, although more pressures would come if you look at a 6-12 to 12 month horizon. So within equities, uh, we prefer to rotate to China equities. We expect stimulus measures there, uh, such as incentives to build self-sufficiency in China's high-tech infrastructure and valuation of China equities are also attractive. However, uh, we would avoid China high-yield bonds uh, China's sustained disinflation, partly driven by the depressed property sector, it confirms our cautious view on high-yield bonds. Uh, this week's report of missed payments from a major property developer, uh, which is Country Garden, it highlights the stresses which is faced by the sector. So we continue to prefer the predominantly investment-grade Asia-US dollar bonds. Thanks, Fuken. Uh, let's shift gears a bit to oil prices because we know these can have an important influence on inflation expectations. So what do you see driving the recent rise in oil uh, and specifically what implications do you see for commodity currencies? Yeah, the recent rise in the crude oil prices were driven, we think, by the escalating tensions in the Black Sea, uh, which has raised the risk of supply disruptions. Uh, Saudi Arabia's extended a voluntary output cut is also a possible factor uh, for the rise in oil. Uh, these factors, they help to offset concerns following weak China economic data and the surprise rise in the US oil inventories. However, uh, technical indicators we're looking at, like the relative strength index, your stochastic oscillator indicators, and the Bollinger Band, they signal overbought conditions. So um, for the WTI crude oil put together, we do not expect recent gains to sustain for long. We expect oil to drift towards uh, 79 US dollars per barrel in the next three months. And looking at the commodity currencies, the performance has diverged. Uh, we look first at the Canadian dollar. It's been well supported on a trade-weighted basis, which is consistent with the rebound in oil prices. However, it has weakened against the US dollar, and this is likely due to the US dollar safe haven flows with some of the risk off globally uh, we've seen. Uh, so we do believe that the US dollar to the Canadian dollar is uh, overbought based on the re relative strength index. And uh, we expect a technical correction in the USD to the CAD uh, to test the near-term support at 1.332. Uh, meanwhile, looking at the Aussie dollar, it has weakened against the US dollar as uh, Aussie was also affected by a dip in gold prices, which fell to a one-month low. So this supports our bearish Aussie dollar to the Canadian dollar conviction idea. This was an idea we initiated on the 2nd of August. We expect the pair of Aussie dollar to the CAD uh, to head towards 0 0.865.
Okay. And finally, maybe looking to the towards the equity market. Um, we've had an interesting earnings season in the US, but do you see any evidence of rotation away from US growth stocks? Yeah, so since the end of June, uh, the NASDAQ 100 index has underperformed the S&P 500 index by 1%. Uh, this is after a stellar outperformance of 22% in the first half of this year. So technically, the NASDAQ 100 has entered a correction phase, uh, making lower lows and lower highs, with the resistance falling from 15.932 to 15.803. Uh, also, in the current uh, US uh, Q2 earnings season, the sectors that do not feature heavily in the NASDAQ 100, uh, such as financials, industrials, and materials, uh, these sectors have delivered solid, positive earnings surprises, which is encouraging a trimming of exposure to the NASDAQ 100 in favor of other U.S. equities as the gains broaden. Uh, looking at uh, U.S. equities more broadly, uh, almost 90% of the S&P 500 have reported, uh, delivering an earnings surprise of 7.7%. .7%. So earnings growth for 2023 is currently expected at 1.5%, slightly up from 1.3% expected at the start of July. Uh, given the resilient U.S. economic data and the earnings data, uh, this suggests that a major fall in U.S. equities is unlikely in the near term. However, uh, we do see a modest regional rotation away from U.S. equities, uh, given that U.S. economic data has been slowing and the U.S. equities also remain relatively expensive at 19 times P.E. on a 12-month forward basis. So one of the likely uh, rotation choices is Asia x Japan, uh, specifically China equities, which is trading at a 35% discount to uh, global equities. Uh, we think the bar to beat is currently very low in China. Uh, the difference in economic surprise between China and the U.S., it is at the lowest levels since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, this week's data, including a uh, soft trade data and the negative turn in inflation and the issues that the property developers are facing, it shows the urgency for potential stimulus from the government in Beijing. Uh, while we believe that a wide-scale stimulus is unlikely, even some modest support can lead to short covering in China equities. Uh, we continue to favor the consumer sectors in China, uh, that is communication services and consumer discretionary. Uh, there are encouraging signs from the earnings of a bellwether internet stock in China has been delivering the strongest quarterly growth in almost two years. This is showing a recovery in consumer purchases, especially for the lower cost goods. Okay, well, I think we're out of time there, so we'll end it here. Uh, thanks very much, Fuken, um, for a very interesting conversation. Uh, my top three takeaways... Uh, First, of course, oil prices, uh, we think they're likely to ease from here. Uh, that's helpful, of course, to cap inflation. But we think the interesting interesting trade out there is to go along the Canadian dollar, potentially against the Aussie. Uh, second, of course, on bond yields, um, we have a bit of a rise, but we still believe that this represents uh, attractive levels to, to add exposure. And finally, in equities, potentially a rotation opportunity uh, from the US to Asia, Japan equities, uh, particularly in China, given the low bar for outperformance there. So with that, we'll end the podcast here. Uh, thanks again for taking the time to listen in and we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.